It's a Sunday, May 25th, Collective Knowledge, We Are One, coming to you. I had a podcast written up all last week, uh, perfected out, ready to go, and it was about my uh, dream I had when I was younger. It was a really vivid dream. Um, It's where my fear came from of flying, Um, but I had a dream when I was younger. It was really vivid. Uh, I felt like it was real. I was just on a plane, and it just magically just disappeared within the air and within this dream i was able to see the events that took place after the plane disappeared you know the news and what was being talked about etc and what i was going to do is going to share that dream and then i was going to share how it is true and how it could be true with stories that have happened in time and history and to back it up with physics formulas and stuff to why this could be happening and then as I was watching Ancient Aliens, had a new episode that came on and it was about literally the same topic. It was about the anomalies and things that happen on Earth. So what I decided to do was just totally scratch what I was going to talk about. And what we're going to talk about today is just the outline of last week's episode of Ancient Aliens. And they talked about the Bermuda Triangle. They talked about disappearances of people that happen on Earth. It's not a lot of times people are believing that, you know, people are coming up missing because people are taking them or whatnot. But a lot of times what is happening is these mass disappearances of people who never get found again are happening because of these anomalies that take place within the world. And we're going to talk about a disappearance that happened in Holland, Michigan about 30 years ago. And we're going to talk about the great story that we never really hear about that's related within the Bermuda Triangle. But what had happened was, and what they talked about um, on Ancient Aliens, was how the SLC, the National Accelerator Laboratory, May 2017, they took an X-ray laser with a little molecule to test to see what would happen if they took an atom with electrons and they hit it with a high-energy X-ray. And what they wanted to see, would you be able to knock out the electrons within the orbit of that atom? to produce something with very little electrons. Well, as doing that, in a quadrillionth of a second, a powerful force sucked electrons into a little black void. They did this test within like a little, you know, let's just say a small glass type case, you know, let's just say two feet wide, three feet long or whatnot. So imagine seeing a little black void sucking in these molecules like that. So imagine what your mind's thinking. Imagine what you're going to be thinking instantly. And what it created was, if you haven't picked it up yet, that little black void ended up being a little small miniature black hole. So what it ended up finding out was with any form of energy concentrated enough can create a black hole. Electromagnetic energy or, in, or high energy pulses contained and neutralized and harnessed out can allow that to happen, proving that black holes don't just exist in outer space, but they exist here on Earth. And that's something that they didn't think was possible because they thought if a black hole existed on Earth, they thought that it had to have a certain amount of energy. And that energy that they thought it would be would be the same type of energy that they've come across in black holes in outer space. 
So you, you would think we would get sucked right in, but that's not the case. So what ended up happening was along the lines, they have this thing called the South Atlantic Anomaly. That's the same area as the Bermuda Triangle. That's the same area as a lot of anomalies that take place happen. And 2016, over the South Atlantic Anomaly, there was a China satellite. It rapidly just started spinning it control- out of controllably. And it spent so fast that it ended up exploding, falling apart, and the satellite ended up falling out of the sky. And they say, well, what happened because of the South Atlantic anomaly, this area, it has high radiation pulses, it has high energy pulses. And because of that, it allows and it affects with, you know, electronics, airplanes, anything that goes through that area or has to go through that area, it affects with it. So that's what that satellite it had happened to go through that area and it ended up spinning out of control uncontrollably and ended up falling out of the sky. So whenever you go through that area, they have you have experienced flashes of light, electronic malfunction, spacecraft. They are specifically shielded and specifically built to endure this area if they have to go through it. And what is ended up finding out is that this area, they believe it creates vortex that alter time and space because of the high radiation, because of the high energy, because of the high electromagnetic field that it has around it. So when you take all of that and you put that all that into consideration, and then I want you to Remember that, though, because some of those things that get shared within the next few minutes, it makes a lot of sense to what is maybe going on and to what is happening to with these, these disappearances. So what a nature has found thresholds and doorways that have black holes, portals that, you know, everyday people don't know it even exists. And so what scientists have proven and what a lot of university scientists have proven is that if one can change the metric of space-time directly with electromagnetic fields, then nature itself, because of the enormous electromagnetic fields developing weather and disturbances, could possibly create its own electrodynamic black hole. And that is completely astonishing because that's something that they never thought was possible. That's something that they didn't think would even be possible here on Earth. They knew it was always possible within outer space, but they didn't think a black hole could really exist on Earth. So then within this South Atlantic anomaly, within this area, another credible evidence that they shared was the Inga Stone. The Inga Stone is located in the same area. Um, the stone contains uh, hieroglyphs, you know, artifacts, stuff that's been in, uh, engraved onto the stone that dates back over 15,000, 30,000 years ago. And the stone contains advanced knowledge of physics and the constellations. Stone appears to have symbols covered that represent energy, that represent the cosmic symbol of a black hole a portal, an opening in time and space. 
And so when they shared that, that was really amazing, too, because if you know the story about the Inga Stone and how it came to be and where they say it supposedly came from, then that correlation, that that adding to the credibility of these stories, it really does get your mind onto the right track to what is really going on with all these anomalies. So the Inga Stone, that's something that if you are listening and whatnot and you are interested, that's something something that I suggest you write that down and do some research on it because it's a real neat story behind it. The Bermuda Triangle, the Devil Sea, Easter Island, and the Indus Valley. Those are hot points. And which our hot points are there's certain areas within the world that have high energy zones, have high energy levels, have high electromagnetic field levels. And those are just a few of 12 triangular zones spaced evenly around the globe that are known for its disappearances, high energy, and unexplained phenomena, like I was just saying. They are referred to, though, as the vowel vortices. And the vowel vortices are, you know, your phenomena areas, your areas that things take place that they didn't think could happen, but it's really happening. And these vowel vertices areas contain high energy. And the reason why I ask you to remember the high vertices is because th- these are places that these high vertices areas are places all around the world, these same powerful energy points and energy places are the same places that you find your megalithic structures, your ancient sites, these sites that have no explanation of how they came to be, you know, your great pyramids, places like that. And that right there, that's not a coincidence. That's not a coincidence at all. But what we're going to talk about next is a story that happened, one of the most famous stories in the world, but we know we never really hear about it. But it took place. It's pure fact. There's many books about it. And in 1945, from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Flight 19 is one of the most famous flight known. And the reason why is because Flight 19 was doing a mandatory, you know, testing type mission. And they flew out into the ocean, into the same area now known as the Bermuda Triangle. And when they flew out there, 15 minutes within the flight, the plane has disappeared off the radar. Okay, so they waited, they waited some time to see what was going on. The, uh, the static within the um, radio comms and the stations was nothing. It was pure eerie static. So what they had did was the military had launched two seaplanes to search for the missing bomber planes that the seaplanes disappeared. Within 20 minutes of the flight, them seaplanes disappeared as well, and they were never found again. There was never any, you know... Well, a lot of times when you get a disappearance like that, there's some type of crash that took place and there can be a count for it. You know, maybe a piece of the wreckage or, you know, piece of something that will give you some indication. OK, well, this is where the plane took place this is where it crashed and everything. But that was never found. That was never came to be. There was never nothing ever found. So then another story that has taken place within the Bermuda Triangle, before it even got this name of the Bermuda Triangle, before they even were doing research on these anomalies, was Christopher Columbus. He experienced 
little problems and whatnot of things that happened when he went through the, this area is known as the Bermuda Triangle. When he passed through the area, he claims a mysterious light, compass malfunctions. Um, when he saw the mysterious uh, lights, he's seen those lights a few days after the compass malfunctions. And he said his radar was reading true north, like the world's north, instead of magnetic north. And if you know anything about our compasses and, and the directions of that, they're all set on a good on a field and some type of frequency. And for those to mess up, because that's natural, it's connecting naturally in with the world. For those to mess up, then within the time period of that was, then you know something was going on. There's also a story of the famous Mary Celeste ship. That was a famous ship that set sail into the area of the Bermuda Triangle, and it went missing for years, many years, and then it just randomly appeared one day in the middle of the sea, but it had none of its crew members on it at all. And it was a pretty big cruise ship that... If you've seen it, if you've looked into it, it was a pretty big cruise ship. So for it to reappear again mysteriously, but then there was no crew members on it. That's something that that's just really weird within the mind once you just started thinking about it. So what they have found out within doing research on these areas because of all these crazy events and things that have taken place is that if you connect electromagnetic energy and then if you generate it and get it from the form that it comes through from lightning and thunderstorms, all of that energy has the energy to create many forms of black holes, wormholes, portals on Earth. Like I said before, that mainstream science didn't believe was even possible, meaning lightning is poorly understood. Lightning carries between seven million to eight million volts. OK. That is not significant enough voltage to jump from cloud to cloud, miles above the ground, and let alone from the cloud to the ground or the ground to the cloud. So you combine that with the strange location of the Bermuda Triangle with the collusion point of cold and warm currents. If you know anything about the cold air and the warm air getting mixed together, we all know what those create, tornadoes. So imagine massive amounts of water and all that energy that all that water has and then colliding it with warm and cold and then these thunderstorms and then that area of high energy, high radiation, electromagnetism. Like they said, that would create an exotic place for physics to take place. And then the evidence to back up the claim is from an event that took place on December 4th, 1970. And when this event took place in 1970, it was 25 years to the date exact to when the flight I just talked about, Flight 19, disappeared in the Bermuda Triangle. And the story is amazing. Uh, it really is. When I was watching it, it really blew my mind because I've all, when I first heard about the Bermuda Triangle back when I was in middle school, I always was looking for stories, but I always came across the same stories. You know, the airplanes that disappeared and the Christopher Columbus 
just the real basic ones, never nothing real detailed, never nothing real, you know, graphic of an experience or anything. But I've never heard of this story. I've looked, I've done a lot, and I've never came across it. So to come across it, it was really kind of, I was just really shocked. I was kind of excited. Uh, But what had happened was there was a pilot. His name was Bruce Gernon. He was on a flight with his dad, and he said his his, uh, parents' business partner at the time. And they were leaving from Andros Island, heading back to Miami. Well, Bruce Gernon said that as he took off, took flight, got into the air, um, and as he hit the certain uh, bank of the islands, that his controls just started to go crazy. And he started to malfunction and whatnot, go in and out. And that's something that a lot of pilots do experience if they go through the Bermuda Triangle area and they survive. Said a strange cloud formed right in front of him and right in front of the plane. He said it looked like a lenticular-shaped cloud. And if you know what a lenticular-shaped cloud is, it's basically like a a big cylinder-type looking cloud that's kind of, you know, rotating and circling itself around. He said it looked really eerie and spooky. He said there was something about it that just didn't seem right. So just for an example or anything, I know a lot of people or anybody who may be listening I know you've had times where you're just looking into the sky and you may come across a cloud that just looks like something or whatnot, and you get an eerie feeling about it. I'm assuming and speculating that's probably the same feeling that he was experiencing and that he was feeling. So he said when he became near and got closer to it, the cloud expanded out and in the blink of an eye, he said before he knew it, he was inside the cloud. The visibility that was inside the cloud was near zero. You know, he said it was like fog, but just 10 times more intense. And when you were in the cloud, you could see lightning volts and you could see small flashes of lightning taking place. And the farther he got into the cloud, the more intense the lightning was becoming. The deeper he got in, the more intense, he said, the lightning flashes were becoming bigger and whatnot. And it became a lot darker. And then he said, again, within the blink of an eye, he came out of that cloud. But when he came out of that cloud, he realized that his situation was a lot worse than what he thought it was to be. Because he realized he was immersed around a gigantic storm cloud and he was right in the middle. He said it looked like there was no opening or no way out. It's just like I was surrounded. Then out of nowhere, he noticed a small tunnel opening within the storm that appeared to be a mile wide and about 10 miles long. When entering the tunnel, an incredible thing happened. Some of the clouds in the tunnel formed a swirling line that was slowly rotating counterclockwise. Said it felt like the plane was hydroplaning. Somehow they were at zero point gravity, floating, but somehow going forward. If you know anything about zero-point gravity, you know that it's extremely difficult to go forward or back. You're kind of just floating there in place. As he came out of the tunnel, he looked back and watched the uh, tunnel collapse. And as that happened, the radar controller came back on and the microphone, you could hear yelling static, but you could hear the guy through it. 
and the guy was excited and he was yelling. We found the plane again. It's right over Miami Beach. The pilot, Bruce Gernon, looked at his watch and said, I have another 30 minutes on this path. I'm at least 80 miles east of you guys, he told him. But after looking at his watch, he looked down and there was the beach of Miami right below him. That is amazing. That is astonishing because we're following close. And if you know where Andros Island is compared to where Florida is, there's no way he should have been there. Meaning he traveled 100 miles in two minutes time. Because, he, like I said, he left from Andros Island heading to the coast of Florida. Meaning the plane would have had been traveling at 2,000 miles per hour. The size of plane that he was in was not even capable of doing that. So we already know that it wasn't the plane. All the watches that were on that plane, Bruce Gurney, his dad's, and then the business partner, they were all set back 20 minutes. But what was crazy is because everyone that was in the back and wasn't witnessing directly eye on, they had no remembrance of what took place. Like Bruce had to remember what took place. And the pilot says he believes that he was experiencing the scene, the fabric of time and the mystery of the Bermuda Triangle. And that is something that, you know, after hearing the story, I truly I've always kind of believed, you know, disappearances of the Bermuda Triangle. I've always believed that I've always really have. But the explanation I always had for myself was that's something that, you know, there's a, just a defect within our world. Something's going on. And I always had felt and believed that area had some remnants of time, time shifting, time taking place, something going on within time. And if you look and you research a lot of UFO sightings, if you look and research a lot of UFOs, and the craziest stories, a lot of them are taking place off the coast of Florida in the same direction of the Bermuda Triangle. So what they had did on this episode of H. Stanley's was they took and gave an appearing example of the disappearances of the Bermuda Triangle and planes and the people and the ships because that's what we all hear about. But we don't really ever hear about the stories of the stuff that take place on land. And disappearances happen on land all the time. And the most famous one that they still research today, still trying to find answers to today, is what happened in Holland, Michigan, February 18, 1978. Stephen Kubaki was a student at Hope College. He told his roommates he was going out for a cross-country ski just for fun, just to get away. And when he didn't return before nightfall, the roommates called the police. Two days later, they found his backpack of small equipment on the beach of the Great Lake. Okay, so that's two, that's two days of searching, not finding anything at all. But then they randomly find his stuff on the beach of one of the Great Lakes. As they looked around and they did more researching, they saw tracks leading out to the middle of the lake. The track stopped with no hole in the lake. Nothing was there besides his tracks from the footprints. And that was it. There was nothing else. They just completely stopped. And so what they came to the conclusion was 
he completely disappeared. But what puts the twist onto the story was a year later, Stephen Kobaki awakens in a field 700 miles away from where he disappeared with no memory, nothing that taken place. And they're saying, well, how can you go a year and all this stuff is going on, but you have no memory of it? Because what, is, what happened is he disappeared probably into an anomaly. And when you're going to disappear into an anomaly, for them, that's an instant moment, an instant thing that's happened. That's why they have no memory of it. But it's really not an instant, instantaneous moment that happened. But that's what it is to them because of whatever they went through, whatever they experienced, allowed time to shift. So because of these disappearances that have taken place and whatnot, what scientists and a lot of universities and a lot of people from the government and what they have done is they've done research, they've done tests, they've done these theories, and they've came up with these amazing Amazing answers that, you know, it's not crazy to me, but I know it's crazy to some people. And they call them the disappearances on land. And time and time again, profilers of missing people tend to have the same points of confusion. You bring in tracking dogs, the tracking dogs can't pick up a scent. You bring in humans on a human level and they can't track point to point. What they are seeing when these people just disappear from a normal from just a normal everyday you know, doing, what they are seeing is when these people disappear, it's either during a weather event, right before a weather event, or right after a weather event. And these people that are disappearing like this, they are finding that they either are found in water, near water, or they're found in the place that has been looked over over dozens and dozens of times. And when they come up in these places, they're leaving the lookers completely baffled and left with confusion because they're like, well, we looked here 12 different times. We've had dogs, we've had professional trackers and nothing was able to be found, but then you just magically appear in the same place. And that's where the confusion gets left. So from all of this research and whatnot, they have found that there are 59 hotspots in the country, the U.S., where people tend to disappear more than where they tend to disappear anywhere else. And these are the same hotspots that have triangulation with the 12 high energy zones that I was telling you about that are evenly spaced all over the world. And to break that down as to what I'm saying is that we have anomalies all around us that take place. Anomalies that we don't even understand or we don't even know about. But if you know anything about the way the world works, the way the cosmos work, there's certain things, there's certain energy points or certain radiation points that are highly, highly on higher levels during certain times of certain years. Because of the natural cause of what our life is, what the universe is, and how it works. So in 2013, scientists from ETH Zurich and the University of Miami published a report from the discovery. And what they have 
decided in what the discovery has allowed them to confidently come out and say is that many circular shaped ocean patterns are the mathematical equivalent of black holes. So you're talking about when the, the high currents of the winds, the storms, those are the same equivalents of a black hole, meaning black holes are all around us. They exist all around us. It's just the simple point and matter is the energy, the radiation around that anomaly isn't strong enough to create that black hole or that vertice to take its place. And what is being said is that the universality of vertices happen all over. You see them when you pull the plug in a bathroom tub, hurricanes, twisters. They are a universal future of nature. All of that meaning is that black holes don't just exist in outer space like science has believed, but they are here on Earth and they have been for the dawn of civilization. And it comes in many different forms. And meaning and saying to end the podcast off right, when you pull that vial from the tub or the sink and you see that swirl, that's a vial, mini form of a vertice of a black hole that could be formed if it had the right energy, the radiation concentrated and harnessed around it. So they take form and place all around us. And if you have, like I was saying, the right energy, the right Radiation, electromagnetic fields, if it's all harnessed and it's all strong enough at any moment of time, a vertice can be turned into a black hole or a natural black hole can be created and tapped into without even knowing. So when you get these disappearances of the Bermuda Triangle and you get these disappearances of that what took place in Holland, Michigan, And if you know anything about Holland, Michigan and Michigan itself, you'll believe in that story because all the Great Lakes are considered part of this anomaly. Michigan is known for the Michigan Triangle, the second from coming from the Bermuda Triangle. The Bermuda Triangle is the most popular, most known spot but the Michigan Triangle is a popular and known spot, but it's not talked about as much. And the Michigan Triangle, do some research into that and you look into that. There's been many, over history and over time, there's been many disappearances of cargo ships disappearing in the Michigan Triangle. Then these cargo ships that disappeared in the Michigan Triangle on the Great Lake of Michigan appeared in the same area as the Bermuda Triangle or appeared out into the ocean. So this podcast was to show and to bring light to the anomalies and to everything that's around us. And it was to really open the eyes and to see that you may experience something. And because you may not be able to explain it, don't think it's not true. Or don't be afraid to share it because you may think people may not believe you or may think you're crazy. No. That's what we all need to know and that's what we all need to realize is that our life is really everything that we believe it's not to be. We live in anomalies. We are an anomaly. Everything around us has meaning, has purpose. 
So open your eyes to realize that we live in fairy tale. Our life is fairy tale. Our life is these movies that we watch and believe, oh, that's not possible. Oh, that's not true. Well, you got to realize everything comes from something. So these ideas are not just made up. These ideas are coming from former past experience, things that people know exist and things that people know are true. So, like I say, always be open to the unknown. Always be willing to learn and always be cautious because you never know when the day comes where you could just be standing in your apartment and something crazy could happen. And you don't even know how to explain it. But the point of it is, is to believe. The point of it is, is to look into it, research it, learn about it, and to see what really took place. And for me, this was so amazing for me because of, like I said, the vivid dream that I had when I was a child. And it made me have a fear for getting on an airplane. Last time I was on an airplane, I've been on an airplane four times, but the last time I was on when I was 18, and I told myself I would never get on again. But I know at some point in time that that fear, that phobia will go away, but it exists because I believe in these anomalies that take place. And you never know at any moment in time when something crazy could happen. So I thank you for listening to this episode of Collective Knowledge. We are one. Like I said, I suggest and I highly recommend a lot of these things that I talk about within these podcasts. You know, take some time, write some things down, go research, go see how you view it from your perspective. See what you come up with. See what you end up reading into or diving into or finding out and see where your mind takes you and see everything that you can learn. And see, that's everything that's around us. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening. We are one. Have a great day.